Well, good morning. Take your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 23. We're going to jump into that and conclude our series on Consider the Source. Let me kind of give you a background on how I'm attempting to connect this today, because I think it's very important to, to catch it. Um, over the years, I've watched myself and a lot of other believers and trying to live a life that honored the Lord. And, I, and, I, and I've noticed something pretty common that seemed to happen. People come to know the Lord as their Savior. They really genuinely get saved. And after they're saved, there comes a point they're just very frustrated that things aren't going further than what they are. They, they, they don't seem to uh, have the love for the Lord like they thought they should. They don't seem to have a connection and relationship with Him to the next level like they hear other people talking about. And they kind of wonder, did I miss something along the way? Uh, I'm still having problems that I can't deal with and still having sins I can't seem to get loose of. And I'm not quite sure what to do. Now, if you're honest, you're probably going to say, you know, that sounds more than a little familiar to me. I've seen myself in that situation. And uh, I think when we look at what Pastor Mark has been talking about over the past weeks, the Holy Spirit and prayer and the Word, those are the three elements that are very critical to get to the next level, to get beyond the frustration and into the enjoyment of the Christian life. Because... Uh, uh, you don't have to look around very long. There's not too many people that really do seem to enjoy being saved, you know. Uh, you know as the old preacher used to say, they look like they were weaned on a dill pickle. You know, they just have that sour face all the time. And it's just horrible to think that that's what it's about. Come on, it ought to be better than this. But I got some good news. Uh, is And the good news is that there is a connection that needs to be understood today that I hope you'll get about the importance of this Bible. And do you realize that without this Bible, all your worship and all my worship, all your praying and all your living is going to end up being pretty empty? Um, I think that's why there's a disconnect between people who will jump and raise their hands on Sunday and then uh, get home Sunday afternoon and holler at their wives or their wives to their husbands and live hateful, terribly bitter lives. And they can't figure out, well, what's going on? You know, we seem pretty happy when we're at church. What happened when we got home? Well, there's a disconnect somewhere. And I, I'm telling you, I think it's right here. Uh, because prayer without the Word of God is going to lead you to thinking you got messages from the Lord you never got. You know, uh, God didn't say that. You just thought he said that or wanted him to say it. Prayer without connection with the Word of God is going to cause a great imbalance in your life. And you won't see the Holy Spirit changing your life without the Word of God. You know, in prayer we speak to God. In the Word of God, he speaks to us. Do you want to hear from God? I want to hear from God. 
I've wanted to hear from God for most of my life, to be honest with you. And I, I keep digging into it and digging into it and digging into it for one major reason. I want to see something about the Lord that I haven't seen before. I want to hear something from the Lord that maybe I'm missing. I really do. I really want to see that. i got a lot of flaws in my life. Uh, but I've got to tell you one thing that I don't think is, is too, too bad a thing. And I'm grateful for it by, from the Lord. Is I've got a love for this Bible. I love studying the Bible. It, it speaks to me. It personalizes to me. And it gets me out of that sense of a rut. I, 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 I've lived long enough to notice that when I back away from the Word of God, you don't know when I back away from the Word of God. But I can tell when I'm backing away from the Word of God. I get frustrated more easily. I get more impatient. I, I see myself, you know uptight and not resting in the Lord like I know I should. And I look back and say, well, I haven't read the Bible in a while. <laughs> no kidding. Try not eating for a while and see what that does to you. And we're going to look at this today and try to give some ideas about what it takes to get to this next level and what the Word of God plays in it. How do you grow? Let me give you the first thing that ought to happen. You ought to have a number one, and I don't have any notes that are going to go up on the board, so if you want this, you either memorize your head or scribble it down on your note. Number one, appreciate the Word of God. Do you see what the Bible said there in verse 23? Uh, it says, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding what? Word of God. I have new life in Christ through two parents. It took two parents to bring you to this life naturally. It takes two parents to bring you to life supernaturally. The Holy Spirit of God is one parent who convicts you and me that we need him, that we have sin, and that sin's going to have to be dealt with. Either I deal with it by paying for my sin in hell forever, or I trust the Savior who did that for me and get his righteousness. So one parent is the Holy Spirit, the other one is the Word of God. It takes two to bring birth. And when the Holy Spirit, with the Word of God, brought the need to my heart that I needed to be saved, do you remember the day when that happened? I want you to go back a little bit and try to refresh your time. Where were you at? What happened? What led up to it? What stirred your soul? Do you remember how the Holy Spirit drew you and it was like a magnet almost? And you just kind of got to a point, and every time the Bible read, you, you walk out and say, you know, somebody told that guy what I was doing. You know, I preached long enough, and that Pastor Mark's preached long enough. He's, he's told me, he says, Uncle Al, you know, this guy came up to me afterwards and says, you been, my wife been talking to you, you tell me what I'm doing. No, I don't, I don't know anything about it. You know what that is? That is the Holy Spirit taking the word to try to reach you. And that is a marvelous thing. Oh, I don't like that. It makes me uncomfortable. Well, sometimes we got to get uncomfortable to get comfortable. And it's important to understand. Every time people came to Jesus, they left one of three ways. Mad, sad, or glad. And when you come to this Bible and the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and deals with your heart, I remember people walking away mad. They're they, they just so mad they didn't want to talk. They were going to hurt me. Oh, hey, hey, I just, you know, I don't want to cause any problems. I just want to tell the truth. 
And then after they responded to the Lord, some strange reason they loved me, you know. And it wasn't me, it was the Word of God doing a work in and through them to cause a change in their life. And I want you to see that we need to have an appreciation for the Word of God. What would happen in your life if you never got to have the Bible anymore? Ever. I'm taking it away from you, you never get to have it anymore. So, well... I'll just have somebody tell me what they know about it. That's a lot of what's going on today, you know. And you don't know whether it's truth or error. If somebody took this Bible away from me, I got to tell you, I would be in trouble. What would I give to get it back? That's a pretty good question. This Bible is so important because this Bible is God's word to us. I can rely on the fact that it's accurate. I can trust in the fact that it is exactly truthful to my situation. It is pure milk, he says here. Unadulterated. There's no mixture of anything else. What you hear from this Bible is the truth. There's a lot of stuff I hear that I don't know whether it's the truth or not. And a lot of it's half-truths. And Vance Havner used to say half-truths are like half-bricks. They throw further and they do more damage. And, you know, that's what happens a lot of times. I want to know the real truth. And he says that that's something that we got to get. Psalms 138 verse 2 says, I will worship towards thy holy temple, praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word, get this, above thy name. I don't understand it, but I know it's true. God has lifted up his word above his name. And one of the reasons may be is, I'll understand his name as I look into his word. Psalms 19.10 says, More to be desired than gold, much, than much fine gold, sweeter than honey, and the honeycomb. That's important to catch. Because if I'm going to grow... And I'm going to get to the next level. i got to have a love and appreciation for this Bible. I would challenge you, make it a frequent practice of remembering how you got saved. One of the reasons we get used to where we're at in our Christian's life is because, hey, I trusted the Lord. Uh, I believe he took my sins away on the cross. He raised from the dead to prove it. And I depend only on him to get to heaven. But after a while, you just kind of get used to that. Oh yeah, I'm going to heaven. You know, we need to remember how we got saved. We need to recall the fact that the Bible had such an important part in, in, in us getting saved. I remember when I got saved. It was actually in college, believe it or not. I was studying for the ministry when I got saved. You know, it was kind of a weird thing. I'd uh, raised and been around it, had a love for the Bible, even as a young child. I always thought it was, an, it was just fascinating me, this Bible. But when I got to, to uh, uh, school... First semester, they had this dude that had memorized the Bible in two versions. <laughs> How do you do that? And he preached a simple message one chapel morning, or one chapel evening that we had chapel, um, on salvation. And all his message consisted of, I wrote it down, I just scribbled, 
was 125 verses that he quoted one after another, after another, after another, after another, after another, after another. And the more he quoted it, the more I listened to it, the more I got bothered. I said, why am I so bothered? And I began realizing the word of God was working in my heart to make me realize that I needed to be saved. And it was almost the pure word of God without comment. It was weird. And that has so struck me ever since then that I have in my hands that powerful word of God. I can't change your life. Pastor Mark can't change your life. But the Holy Spirit through this Bible can and make you beyond what you ever thought you could be. And I would, I would encourage you, just remember your salvation. Realize that the same power of this word to save you can transform you and make you a brand new creature now. But if you don't appreciate it, you don't have anything to do with it. So I'd say the first step to kind of get to the place that you can start seeing your, your Christian life really go to another level and, you, and be more like him. Really be more like him. Some of you have gotten to the place, and I understand it, that you've heard so much and you've seen so much. You've watched Christians that were supposed to be all that, and then you've seen them flop. You're like, well, that's, well, there you go. You're looking at the wrong stuff. Look at the Word of God. That's true. That's stable. That's holy. That's never going to change. That's going to transform you. And that's going to transform me. And when we get to the place that we quit looking at everything else around us and look and appreciate the Word of God, we're ready to start making a serious transformation. I want that. I am 62 years old, and I still want it more than anything else in my life. I want it. Second thing, you know, if, why would you not crave it when it's done so much already in your life? The second thing he says, look at verse 1 through 3 of chapter 2. He says, they've got, they got to get a point, you've got to get rid of certain things in your life. Some things got to go. Say that with me. Some things got to go. They have to. And the way he says they got to go, he says it's like having filthy clothes on you, taking them off and throwing them down. I hope today that there'll be some who will say, by God's power and spirit, I'm taking off some dirty old stuff that have been on too long. I've smelled too long, and it's time to clean up by God's grace. He's got to go. Notice what he says. So, that word so may be therefore in your translation, but it literally means since. Since all this is true, that the Word of God made that kind of a change in your life, it's time to get rid of some stuff, because if you don't, it's going to take away your appetite for the Word of God. Now, I'm going to get real meddling right now. I'm going to get in your business, because this is important to understand. If you do not get rid of some of these relational sins within our church, I'm going to tell you, you're going to give your pastor a heart attack one day. You're going to hurt him. 
And there are a lot of people that love him, and I love him like I love my own, my own boys. But you need to understand part of church relationships that struggle is right in these verses right here. And he's saying it's relational sin, how we relate to anyone. Notice what he says here. He says, put away malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. Five things. That's not hard to list. Five things. He says, it's important to put them away. If you don't, it's going gonna, it's gonna to spoil your appetite. You know, we tell our kids when it's time for supper and they want to be in a cookie jar. You can't have a cookie. Why? It'll spoil your appetite. Some of us have lived on cookies and junk most of our Christian lives and we wonder, how come I don't desire Spiritual things. I don't, how come I don't really want to get into the Bible? I, preacher, I just don't read so good. I'll touch you there a little, little bit later, but that's okay for right now. We've got to understand. It'll dull your desire. This stuff's going to mess you up. Ever eat stuff that gives you acid burp? <laughs> you know, this thing comes up. And it's just, it's that taste. Yeah. It makes you shiver a little bit if it's a real good one, you know. Try eating something you like right after that. I could put a T-bone steak in my mouth after that and I won't have a taste for T-bone. Something's got to happen to get rid of that acid reflux thing, you know. Whether I take a roll of eggs or drink a glass of milk, whatever it is, I got to do something about it. This is acid reflux territory we're talking about. And he says, you got to get rid of it or you're never going to get a taste for the Word of God. You're never going to see it taste like honey. It's not going to be precious like gold. It's not going to be the hammer that will break the chains in your life. It won't be the fire that will purify you. You'll be all messed up because you're still burping up stuff. Here it is. Number one, malice. Let's just go through it real quick. It just means I want to see something bad happen to you. Well, you don't know this guy, man. He, he deserves something bad happen to him. Be careful. I've got no business thinking that way. I've got no business having a heart attitude that way because it causes me to lose desire for his word. Think about that one. The second one, deceit. means to trick others in order to get what we want. You tell people something that isn't so, or you mislead them, or you have some ulterior motive in what you're talking to people about. And you know, we got to be careful about that. We need to be genuine, real people. Don't you love being around people like that? You don't have to wonder what they're thinking about you. They're going, they're going, they are who they are. And there's just something refreshing about that. Hip hypocrisy, you know that one. Pretending something we're not, or believe in something we don't believe. A lot of hypocrites in the church because they never really have believed that Jesus died for their sins and trusted him solely as their savior. They're depending on something else. That's, that's the worst form of hypocrisy. That hypocrisy will send you to hell. And we need to understand, I got to be right. If I don't think I'm right, quit pretending I'm right. Be honest about it. So I can find the truth and ask the Lord to open his word in my heart so I can trust him and know him in a real sense. Hypocrisy. Envy. It's to desire something you don't have. Kids get this. Kid get a toy, another kid wants that toy. Biggest battle in daycare is battle over toys, isn't it? 
You, know, you got that toy, and you got that. Huh, I want that toy. You know, give me that toy. It's my toy. I had it first. It's that kind of thing. That sounds real familiar. I've pastored for a while, and I've heard kind of the same thing, just different words. Envying. I want something you got, but I don't want you to have it. And whenever I have that attitude towards anybody, especially believers, well, I don't like the fact that he's getting respect, and I'm not getting respect. So I'm going to do something to try to down his respect. Oh, boy, you better watch that. You just burped up a real acid reflux moment there, you know. And I smelled it. <laughs> Last thing is slander. Evil speaking. Speaking isn't gossip. You know, that kind of thing. Motive to make myself look good because I'm making you look bad. Let me give you a little secret here. That never works. <laughs> you start talking to somebody else in a bad way to try to make yourself good. Over time, people start catching on and say, you know what? You can't trust anything that guy says. All he's about is just looking out for himself. And that slander is a bad situation. It's one of those things that in churches, one of the things that cause people want to quit going to churches, and some of you sitting here been in churches, you say, I quit going for a long time because I got tired of it. What did you get tired of? You know what you got tired of. I do too. All the backbiting and the gossip and the slander and the stuff you think. You know what? This ain't worth this. You know what that does? It ruins a church and it ruins the testimony of Christ and it causes people to lack desire for the word of God. We don't want that here. And we need to understand that we need to protect each other in this area because I don't want my appetite ruined. I want to love this Bible the rest of my life. And if you're going to be talking about another believer in, in my church, and my pastor in my church, in a way that wants to tear him down and build you up, you're not going to want to hear what i got to say. You may need to hear it, but you're not going to want to hear it. Because I don't want anything touching my appetite for this Bible. It doesn't matter how much you like junk food. It will not nourish you. And there are people that kind of like talking about other people and being jealous over them and stuff like that. They seem to be comfortable in it. You're going to grow a lot when you come to the step in your life where you say, you know what, this ain't helping me at all. I am not growing a bit. And my appetite for God's words getting, I don't even have it. Get rid of it. And he says get rid of it. That means we can get rid of it. Okay? So how do I do that? You just make a break. So that's enough of this. I'm going to put myself on accountability. I'm going to ask a couple guys, you know, watch me out. If, if you hear me talking in a negative way towards somebody and I don't realize I'm talking about, take my side in a loving way and say, hey man, do you know what you're saying? You hear what you're talking about? I love you and you told me to check up on you and I'm, I'm checking you. Don't like it, but I appreciate it. Make a step to throw it away. Throw it away and watch what happens to your appetite. Man, I need to find out what God's Word says. How am I supposed to act now? How am I, what am I supposed to do now? I've done that for so many years. I don't know how I'm supposed to act. You all of a sudden, you get an appetite for it. Make it decisive. Break with it. And then the third thing you do, if you're going to really make this step that really makes a transformation in your life, you've got to develop a craving for the Bible. You can't do it till you get rid of some junk. 
But when you get rid of that, don't just stay there and say, well, it's going to be automatic now. No, you've got to develop it. He commanded us very clearly. He says, uh, as newborn infants long, the words crave, desire, for the pure milk that you may grow by it. And that's another command. Well, I just... Not a very good reader. I don't like reading. Whatever. You know, I can imagine my grandson going into first grade and telling him, I just don't like to read. We're going to teach you how to read, and you're going to read. When you get out of first grade, you go to second grade, you're going to learn more how to read. You get out of second grade and third grade, and on and on. You're going to be made to understand how to read, or you will not get a diploma. Well, some get diplomas, and you wonder how they got it, but whatever. That's another story. This is the thing. In order to crave the Word of God, you got to do something to be able to crave it. And, and I don't want you to understand, there's a word here used that is an all-consuming desire. It is so serious, we get our word addiction from it. How in the world do you generate an appetite for the Word of God that is like an addiction? He says, if so you be... You've tasted that the Lord is gracious. If I'm going to taste something, I've got to be exposed to what I'm tasting. I can have food on the table. My wife makes the best fried chicken in the world. I'm sorry, she does. I've eaten a lot of fried chicken in my life. You can just tell by looking at the fried chicken belly here. I've eaten a lot of fried chicken. She makes the best. She made me some fried chicken last week. Uh, chicken breast and a cast iron skillet. It's got to be a cast iron skillet. It's got to be, you know, in grease. It's got to have grease. And did that. I ate a piece of that, and I'm telling you what, I couldn't eat one piece. I had six pieces. <laughs> and then I took it to lunch the next day, you know. And it was just a taste that I, when I exposed my tongue to that chicken, my tongue said, we got a friend here, you know, and we just had a big time. And I want you to understand in order to be addicted and have that kind of love for something, you must expose yourself to it. How does a drug addict become a drug addict? One word. Exposure. You put yourself around the drugs. You put yourself in the environment where other people are using the drugs. If you've used drugs once, if you've tasted it once... Tell me if this ain't true, y'all. You're going to want it again. True or false? Yes, sir. Exposure. How does a drunk become a drunk? An alcoholic become an alcoholic? Exposure. You put a six-pack in front of them first thing in the morning, and you keep putting it in front of them? If he's ever tasted it before and liked the taste of it, buddy, you got a problem on your hand. And you got to get yourself out of that exposure if you're going to break from it. But in the negative side, the positive is also true of the Word of God. How do I get addicted to the Word of God? One word. What is it? I've got to expose myself to the Bible. I cannot... I can tell you how good my wife's chicken is. and uh, You can even smell it if you were in my house. That's the thing that does it, by the way, anyway. It's just the smell. You walk in and go, whoa, this is what I've been waiting for. And then 
takes that chicken juice and makes gravy out of it and put mashed potatoes. Right. Oh, man, let's... <laughs> I'm going home, have some chicken gravy, and it's just so good. It's not good for me, perhaps. You know, it clogs up the veins. But what happy veins we have at the time, you know? <laughs> anyway, I can, I can take you and let you smell the chicken. I can show you the chicken on the table. You can watch me eat the chicken, but guess what? It does you no good until you do what? Until you taste it. And if you ever taste it, you're going to want to steal my chicken, and I'm not going to let you do that. Exposure to the Word of God is key to being addicted to the Word of God. So what do I got to do? I got to eat it. I thought about having you guys play Beat It and call Eat It, and I was going to do... No, I said, that's just too ugly of a picture there. I'm not going to do that. Uh, but we got to eat the Word of God. Uh, let me ask you just some basic questions here. Is it enough to put food in your mouth? Nope. Is it enough to chew it up? Nope. Is it enough to swallow it and just let it sit in your stomach? Not even that. It's only when it goes from there to your digestive system and into the tissues and the muscles that it benefits you. You see where we're going here? When you develop a craving for the Word of God, we got to be careful that we don't become lactose intolerant. I got a little grandbaby. That's the prettiest little grandbaby in the world. She's just so sweet. Her name is Molly. And Molly has an appetite. She likes eating, but I'll tell you something she cannot eat is anything with a milk product. If she does, you might want to go to the next room because she will blow a diaper out. <laughs> and when she blows that diaper out, you're going to smell the feller and it's going to be nasty. Because there's something within her system that cannot digest that milk. I want you to know that when you and I are exposed to the Word of God and we keep those other sins in our life, do you know what they do to our digestive system? They make us lactose intolerant. We make a mess when the Word of God is even preached. We make a mess of ourselves, and we make a mess around others. So why do Christians act that way? How, how come they act that They're lactose intolerant, man. Until we do something about our digestive system. When we take the Word of God, listen now, and it's not just the sins, but here's where the problem comes in lactose intolerance with us. We hear it. We read it. We say, yeah, that's true. But what are we missing? We don't do it. There's something here that the Bible says I ought to be doing, and I'm just going to ignore it. There's something here I need to yield to, and I'm just not going to yield to it. There's something here that I know talks about Jesus, and, and it's just marvelous if I'll just concentrate on it, but I don't want to concentrate on it. I don't, want to, I don't want to do that. And we take the very word that's supposed to change us. I don't know a good way of saying this. But we crap it out. 
there's been more of the Bible crapped out in churches than what you want to know and what I want to know. Because we will not yield ourselves to do what it says. And that is the important thing about it. Do you know when you take this Bible, he's talking about tasting that the Lord is good. And you see that in verse 3. Uh, you tasted that the Lord is good. When you and I open this Bible and we read it, it gives us a picture of who he is. And you can start seeing every bit of him in all parts of this Bible. And all of a sudden, when our minds are filled with the knowledge of God and it moves our heart to want to worship like we have here today, real worship with good songs gets its content from guess where? Right here. I've heard some 7-Eleven songs out there. Those are seven words to it sung 11 times over and over again that have no biblical content. They are not saying anything. And we're calling it worship, and it's not worship. We ought to be grateful for what God is doing in our place through this worship because it's surrounded by this word. I see my Lord in this Bible whenever I chance to look. He's the theme of the Bible, the center and heart of the book. Why, he's the rose of Sharon, the lily fair. Whenever I open the Bible, the Lord of the Bible is there. He's the book of beginnings, gave the earth its form. He's the ark of safety to bear the brunt of the storm. He's the burning bush of the desert, the budding of Aaron's rod. Whenever I open this Bible, I see the Son of God. He's the lamb upon Mount Moriah, the ladder from earth to sky. He's that scarlet cord in the window and the serpent that's lifted high. He's the smitten rock in the desert, the shepherd with staff and crook. The face of my Lord I discover whenever I open this book. He is the seed of the woman. He's the Savior virgin born. He's the son of David whom men rejected and scorned. The Lord of eternal glory whom John the Apostle saw. He's the light of the celestial city, the lamb without spot or flaw. He is that bridegroom coming at midnight for whom his people look. Whenever I open this Bible, I see my Lord in the book. Do you love it like that? Do you crave it that way? So what should I do? Number one, we ought to read it. Read it. So, well, I just have a hard time. Well, just read it anyway. Start in the New Testament. Read through the New Testament a few times. Read the Psalms and the Proverbs. That's what I'd encourage any new believer to do. Just read it. Read it in a translation you understand. We are blessed to be in a time where there's good translations out there. And if you're having a real tough time understanding even how to read some, get you a tape and listen to tapes. But read it. Get exposed to it. And after you read it, then go down a little bit further and ask God to speak to you. What's this saying about me? What's the next step I should take from what I've read in your word? What's the next step I should take in a relationship with my wife? Or my church? What's this say about you? That I need to see about you? And what am I to do with what I've heard here? And what I've read here? Read it. 
Study it. I would encourage you to have a personal time that you read and study the Bible. You eat regularly. We ought to read regularly. And we come to church, and that's a good way to get exposed to the Word of God. You ought to make, keep that practice up. But I would encourage you to get into a small group where you study the Bible. I have a group of guys I call the Magnificent Seven. <laughs> Seven guys that we meet together in our back porch every Wednesday night, and we go verse by verse through a book of the Bible. And we have a great time, don't we? God's changed our lives in a lot of ways. And I would encourage you to get a part of that. And say, so, well, I'm not a part of that. Well, come on to the back porch. I don't care. We'll find some place for you. But ask Pastor Mark about it. And says, where can we get plugged into a small group to study the Bible? And when you do that, you're going to start seeing things are going to change. You're going to grow. When you appreciate the Word, when you get rid of those sins that are going to hold back your desire for the Word, and you start craving the Word. I would challenge you this morning, make a step of commitment. Saying, you know what? I've been saved long enough, but I sure haven't loved the Bible like I should. It's time for me to make a step of commitment and say, you know what, today, I'm going to start getting into the Bible. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I've talked about it. I'm going to do it. Today, I'm taking spiritually awesome clothes and I'm throwing them down. I'm going to quit this gossiping. I'm going to quit thinking the worst about people. I'm going to quit envying what other people have. I'm going to quit that stuff. And I want to get on the right side of having an appetite for the things of God. Let's bow in prayer, please. Very straightforward message. And I would challenge you to act upon what you've heard. You're at the table now, and the food's been there. What are you going to do with it? I hope you'll chew it, swallow it, and digest it right now. So how do I digest it? By making a decision saying, yes, I will follow what God has said today. I will do this. Maybe you're here today as a Christian. You say, I'm saved, but I've been stuck. And I think I know why I've been stuck a little bit now. God's Word has exposed some things in my life to show why I've been stuck. And I want to stop being here. I want to be further down the road with Him. I want to follow him like I know I should. Would you raise your hand? So that's me. Just pray for me. That's where I'm at. I want to make that commitment to his word today. So that's me. Yes, God bless you. Anyone else? So that's me. Yes, God bless you. That's where I want to be. I'm going to take a step into God's word that I haven't. It's a new adventure for me. I'm a little nervous about it. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. If you're here today without Jesus Christ, let me encourage you to come and trust Him as your Savior. So, you know, I came to church because I was looking for something. If Jesus is not your Savior and Lord today, and you say, you know what? I know I need to be saved. You know that already. The Holy Spirit's spoken to you about it. The Word of God's brought to your heart, man. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. He says, I know he did that, but I haven't trusted him. And I think it's time for me to make that step. I need to be saved. I need to trust Christ as my Savior today. And I want to make that commitment today. Just lift your hand, put it right back down. Anyone like that? Just be honest. Just be honest. He's been honest with you. 
Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that we might properly appreciate it. We might get rid of those things that destroy our appetite for it. And Lord, that we might take it and crave it, eat it and study it, and see our lives transformed to be like Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.